This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our boys over at Scentlock. Guys, you all came here for one reason, and that's the new Adapt Plus, a collaboration bow between Bear Archery and the hunting public. Of course, we had the Adapt last year. This year, uh, Bear and the guys at the hunting public tore that bow apart. They hunted all over the country with it. They came back to Bear with some feedback on some things they would like to see changed and improved on. A couple different color options, some package options for you. The exact accessories that the hunting public likes to shoot and run on the bow. Guys, if you liked the Adapt or if you didn't get a chance to shoot it because it was sold out everywhere because it was so incredibly popular... This is a bow worth checking out. The Bear Adapt was a phenomenal shooting bow. This year, they've ta- they've taken it, they've refined it, they've made it even better. It's going to be a bow you want to check out. And here we've got Hayden and Zach from the Hunting Public, and they talk through all of their experiences with the Adapt and the things that caused them to see the couple of changes they wanted to see made, which Bear took to the drawing board, and they made the Adapt Plus. It's an even better bow. You're going to want to shoot it. Of course, we dive in and we tell some funny hunting stories and just have a good time the hunting public way. So, guys, stay right here and get all of the details on the new Adapt Plus. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. I'm an arrow junkie. I can't help it. I love building arrows. It's my passion. Uh, I can remember growing up, my dad, It was for him, it was sitting there sharpening knives. He loved to do that. For me, it's building arrows. It's sharpening broadheads. It's fletching arrows. It's, it's playing with arrow weights and FOCs and all that good stuff. I love going out in my bow shop and messing with arrows. A good friend of mine, Dan, he started a company called Arrow Junkie. First off, what caught my attention was the incredible looking apparel. If you don't like Sasquatch carrying a bow, dragging a deer, there's something wrong with you. But as an arrow junkie, he sells me all the equipment that I need to build my own arrows from arrow saws, arrow squares, arrow uh, jigs, everything that I need to build my own arrows. He's got all the fletchings, all the wraps, all the glues, everything, broadheads, fill tips, inserts, outserts, everything you need to build your own arrow. 
Also, he puts out some really good information on how to build your own arrows. Guys, it doesn't have to be difficult, and it really doesn't even have to be that expensive. You can build an entire arrow building kit uh, for you know 400 bucks or so, and then all of a sudden, you can build the best arrows that you can possibly have because you're building them yourself, you know them, um, you're putting the time and effort into them. So guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Arrow Junkie for all your arrow building needs. He's phenomenal. They're phenomenal. Go check it out. All right, Hayden, Zach, pretty much everybody came here for one reason, to hear the details of the new bow. Last year's bow was an absolute hit. The bow was a joy to shoot, and I know people are excited to get their hands on the new bow, but they're more excited to hear all the details. The bow launched today, and uh, and we are putting this episode out to kind of just cover all the details, um, why you guys kind of made the changes you did. Uh, but before we jump into all that, Give me an update as to how your guys' turkey seasons went. Well, I'm going to let Hayden go first on that one because my turkey season was significantly different than it usually is, but I still <laughs> got to go some. But Hayden got Hayden had a heck of a season, man, so I think start with that. In the beginning, at least, I, I had some success. The first six hunts I went on, I went to Iowa and uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin were the only three states I hunted. But the first six hunts I went out on ended up filling the tag. So had a lot of fun there. Got to take two uh, new hunters out that got their first turkeys, um, one being my fiance Allie. She got her first turkey in Minnesota and then her second turkey in Wisconsin a couple weeks later. So had, a, had some good success early on and then struggled later in the season. But uh, it was a good time. Yeah, so, I think which, I think important important though you helped the other hunters. Not all those were you shooting turkeys, but you were helping right. other people too, which I think is really a cool aspect and a fun part of turkey hunting as well as like being with other people for their success and ultimately videoing that too and having that memory is really cool. And they're fun. They're fun hunts to watch. Um, yeah. And the one with Allie is quite hilarious because her reaction is like probably one of the best reactions I've ever seen of a turkey hunting video. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. She's so really is that excited. her first Other, kill ever? Uh, first turkey kill. She's killed some deer before, um, but that gotcha. was her first turkey turkey that she's harvested. And we've gone the last two years before then together, and she had a bunch of close calls, but couldn't couldn't connect on it. And I think that's why she was so excited when she got her first one officially because all that was pent up into that that moment and it was yeah she she was real excited about it it was it was an awesome time you know people get upset with me but when you take a new hunter and it happens easy and it happens quick you're almost like you didn't have to work for it that's not fair you know yeah like i want you to i want you to be laying in the tent at night thinking is this gonna happen or not like, I, I want you to have to work for it. And, and you know, when it just comes too easy, it's not near as sweet. But, Hayden, I also don't know you that well, but I'm all about giving tips. And, gentlemen, here's your tip. Don't get your wives or fiancés into hunting because then when you want to go hunting, she wants to go hunting, and it's just a mess. <laughs> so you messed up, bro. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> I, I disagree yeah. fully. I think yeah, it makes you I, get more opportunities. Neither of you have kids, though, do you? <laughs> no, that is no, well, that is true. See, that, that's that where I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool to get her into hunting and to go out and sit in a, in a stand together and have fun. 
But then I'm like, oh, cold front, I'm ready to go hunting, you know? And she's like, no, I'm going hunting. You're staying with the kids. I'm like, no, I'm going hunting. You're staying with the kids. <laughs> and so it's, uh, yeah, now it's kind of like a crap. Why did I ever get you into this? That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, Zach, wh- so it's why just... didn't you get to go turkey hunting as much as normal? Uh, I'm anxious to know that. And knee surgery, man. Oh, that's yeah. rough. What happened? Uh, we were actually on a THP ski trip, and I just made a mistake skiing. I, which I've skied for really most of my life, um, and I was with Hayden and Ted, and we were kind of doing some more aggressive runs and we went through had just gone through some moguls which for those that don't know are like the bumpy you know we have to turn real aggressive to stay under control and i had just made it through those but there was some uh i guess uneven snow and it was getting shadowed and kind of darker into the evening and i just misread something and lost balance and fell backwards and tore my acl ultimately and uh had to get skied off the mountain and then had about a month between the injury and the surgery, a little bit, I guess about a month and a week and then had surgery and really for the first month, man, month, it was pretty, pretty rough going. And then I slowly started to get out towards the end of the season, kind of mid, mid May, I started kind of dabbling and hunting a little bit and, um, the most memorable thing that happened the you know, the top highlights, I suppose, would be I went with my dad and filmed him shoot uh, his first Merriam's turkey. That was a lot of fun. And then um, also got to go to Wisconsin, um, which I've done the last couple of years and got to hunt with a big group up there. Uh, my girlfriend also is getting into turkey hunting and she got to go and hang out with friends and get her some experience as well. And while we didn't get one, it's just fun to be out with everybody and kind of like what you said, Dylan, of not having success right away. Whitney's tried now for a couple of seasons, similar to what Allie had happened and had some close calls, but hasn't got one yet. So going into next year, I think that she's going to be even more excited than you know, these past couple seasons, which is a lot of fun for me. I just enjoy going with, uh, new, I, I enjoy going with her and I enjoy going with new turkey hunters as well. And as I turkey hunt more and more, it's like the biggest, uh, highlight of the season always is the people that you go with. And I think that that's the main lesson that I learned having missed most of the season is the people that you get to go with and the memories you make with friends is more important than filling tags. And I think that you know, it was a good lesson in that this year. I haven't missed a lot of it. And I still got to go some and I thoroughly enjoyed that time. But it was a good reminder of like turkey hunting and hunting in general is fun, at least for me. I know everybody has different goals and reasons they do it. But for me, it's about, you know, going with my friends and just enjoying that time with them. So, yeah, that was pretty much my season and kind of the lesson that came along with it, I guess. Yeah, my uh, my wife... You know, her first year, she shoots a doe, and we never found it. And I didn't have any kind of – I didn't have anything to go off of. I found her arrow, and – and uh, but, you know, 
she yeah. said she made a good shot, but I'm just like, well, you know, I, I just didn't know. We could never find the, the, the deer. And so I really questioned the amount of penetration she got being a 25 inch draw and shooting 42 pounds. And so, uh, cranked her up to 47 pounds, changed her arrow weight, put some more weight out front. And, um, I felt, felt more confident. And so she goes out and, and I'm hunting, I'm in a tree stand and she's hunting. Well, she texts me and says, I just shot one. And so being a, a excited husband that hopefully my wife got her first deer, I just end my hunt. I just climb out of the stand and I'm, and she's like an hour away. Uh, we both went different directions. Um, and so I just floor it to, to the leaf she was hunting on. And, um, the whole time I'm just praying, I'm like, help her find this deer. Like, because she was just defeated after not finding the first one. And I'm like, help her find this deer. And, and on the way there, she says, Oh, I videoed it. And I'm like, what? How did you self film a hunt? And she's like, I just got your camera out of the house and filmed it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, I didn't believe her. And she's like, yeah, I did. I, I set up the camera and I filmed it. And so I'm looking at the footage and I'm like, this is a perfect shot. Like you smoked this thing, but we never found it. And so I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And through, through polls that the, the NRA did, the number one reason that women don't want to hunt is their, their fear of, of wounding animals and not finding them. And I saw that take place in my wife. Like she didn't want to hunt anymore. She was just like, Dylan, I can't do it. I can't, I can't keep wounding animals. And I'm like, well, sweetheart, that deer that you, the second deer you shot is dead somewhere. Like the amount of blood we found, the, the shot placement, it's dead somewhere. Um, and so she didn't hunt the rest of that season. So I upgraded her bow. She was shooting a legit, which, um, you know, I think would, I mean, it will do just fine. But so I upgraded her bow, got her a legend XR. And, um, and so, yeah, man, but when they have to work for it, when they have to want it, like it, it just means more. And I think, you know, I think those kids and the wives and the people who you take and they just stumble upon their first turkey or they just stumble upon their first big game animal. Those are kind of harder to create into a lifetime hunter. Whereas the people who have to work for it and want it and earn it, they seem to to buy into it more. They seem to stick with it longer and and you know create a lifestyle out of it. In my opinion, yeah, I would agree. I feel that it's. I, I see it a lot in uh, situations where, especially a kid, has it very straightforward seems like when they have that success early on especially with like a big buck for example it's like if your first two or three deer are just like monster bucks it's like well what what challenge is there to that and what is there more to learn like you've accomplished the ultimate goal so i feel like at that point generally speaking it's a little bit easier to be like well let's go do something else now where if you 100 percent you know if you have some hard times like make mistakes and you miss some and you know just try year in and year out and fail it almost makes it easier to get addicted to it because you're like well i want to prove to myself that i can i can do this i think that like you said just helps lock that lifestyle and that you know kind of addiction into it that a lot of us get to Hey, the other new hunter that I took out this year had the exact opposite experience that Allie did where she tried for two years he ended up filling his tag on the first day and Allie was a little bit jealous because at that point she still hadn't shot her turkey that this year 
And she was like, oh, why? Well, why was it so easy for, for him and, and whatnot? And I told her, I said, it's, I honestly would prefer your experience because you're going to yeah. be more excited when that that actually happens. And I felt like I almost did. Uh, Oliver was his name. It's Allie's uh, brother-in-law. I almost felt like I did him a disservice with not having those struggles in the beginning part. But I mean, the ultimate goal was to go out there and have success. So that was what we were trying to do. And we ended up having that. But I, I told Allie that I think what she's experienced is going to make it better for her in the long run. And she's learned a lot along the ways that she could. I'm confident she could go out there and have success on her own now, where I think with Oliver's situation, it's going to take more more times of, of failure in order to get to that point where he's going to have success down the road. And he's still all about it, and it, he's not, like, turned off from it by any means. But I I think that those struggles in the beginning really mean a lot in, like, creating a lifelong hunter, like you said. And I think back to, like, my experience growing well, up deer I- hunting even – my experience growing up deer hunting, it was up in northern Wisconsin where deer densities are really low and it was a struggle to, to have success up there. And it was a good weekend if you even saw deer up there. And that kind of really instilled that that drive to have success and, and hooked me as a, a lifelong hunter, even though like later on in life, I got in opportunities where there's higher deer densities and, and um just better hunting overall. And I know people who have had scenarios like that from the get go. And I, I've seen it firsthand where like, I feel like once, when you have those better experiences initially, like Zach saying, there's, you've kind of achieved that goal already and there's not as much hook to, to want to strive to keep progressing throughout your hunting experiences where uh, just struggling in the beginning can really hook you for a long time, which is weird. You'd think like, having success would make you be more likely to continue doing it, but it's the struggles that really get you hooked with, with hunting. Yeah. Well, and to me, I think just when it comes so easy, it becomes one of those checklist type type hobbies like, okay, did it like moving on. It doesn't, you don't create the work ethic and the, Oh man, this is some every year I'm going to have to work for. It becomes just a checklist. And that's why like, with my kids, I've been strategic as to where and when I take them. Now, a lot of it is, yeah, I'm not going to take you to my number one spot, you know, and blow big deer out of there. But a lot of it is, well, son, I don't want you to go out and see 160-inch deer your first week hunting. Like, I'm going to take you to where I know we're going to see a lot of does. But they're gonna, we're going to see a lot of does from a long ways off. Because I, you know, I, I want you to stay having fun. I want you to be like, oh, there's deer. Like he's he's five, and so I'm like, I want you to stay hooked on like, oh, we're seeing animals. But I also want you to realize like we have to work to get closer to those animals. And then I'm going to take you to a spot where you know we're going to have a few does strolling in constantly. That way I can, you know, you'll get the heart pump and you'll you'll feel that thing, you know. And so I almost I almost progressively take my kids to better and or worse spots to kind of teach them the the value of working at, at this trait. I'm not going to take you to where, you know, I have this buck nailed down and he's coming in three days out of five and there's a good chance he's going to stroll in. Like, I don't want to do that for you. Um, so call me a bad parent if you will, but my son is five and he wants to go hunt more than I do. So I'm doing, I mean, something's working. I guess. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I really don't. I think that's a good strategy and something that, if I ever have kids or even just taking a kid as, you know, a consistent mentor, I would 
you know, prefer it to be that way as well. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So what do you guys got coming up this fall? What's your big, big hunch you got? Oh, I guess uh, the tags that I have currently, I got a deer tag, a whitetail tag for Colorado, which I'm pretty excited That'd about. And I have a South Dakota tag, yeah. which I, I had one other time. And then um, I also I also actually drew a New Mexico coos deer tag, which I have... Uh, Never hunted coos deer, but that's like a real late season archery hunt, um, like end of January, yeah. which I think is really cool. Um, pretty excited about that. And then um, may do some elk hunting. Well, I'm definitely going to do some elk hunting with um, my friend Ben, who's right there. <laughs> and we're going to, He's he's got a tag this year. We're going to go into that primarily trying to fill that and then my dad also has a tag in wyoming which i'm pretty excited about so i'm going to be going with them and then you know any other time to squeeze in some bow hunting for elk on my own or you know with my own tag i may get some time to do that and then um the other one that's kind of on my list that i think would be cool and i'm not positive that i'll get to it this year or in the next couple, but something that's really on my radar is, is West Virginia. This is one that I think would be really fun to bow hunt in. So, um, I guess bow hunting wise, those are kind of the things and, uh, ideas that I got going right now, but you know, things are very likely to change by the time season rolls around. Some of those tags that I have obviously are kind of locked in, but some of the other like what ifs are just dependent on how it goes for all of us really. So, coos deer, man, I feel like dudes either hate it or that's like their new addiction. Like, you never hear of like, oh, yeah, it was fun. I might go back. It's either like, no, dude, that wasn't for me. Or I'm going every year, come hell or high water, I'll be there. Like, people yeah. people fall in love with coos deer. And I get why. Like, they're, you know, they're the gray ghost. They're elusive. They're, you know, a deer that it's as skittish as a whitetail, but it lives in the wide open desert. Like I, I get why that would be fun and, and difficult. So I'm anxious to hear about that one, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I mean, I think, I think based off of what I know about the area that I'll be hunting is that they're definitely there, but just like a lot of whitetail country, you know, a lot further east they're in specific pockets and that's going to be the fun thing to learn i think and you know as far yeah. as the the strategy that goes into play it's going to be fun i think because from what i can tell too that's that when they're rutting is when that yep. season that um my tag is good for there they're rutting in, in late january and i think that being able to apply tactics that we use for you know, Eastern whitetails, I think will be cool to try things like rattling and, and still hunting, but also having that spot and stock aspect of it as well. And just trying to learn how to stay quiet in that type of ground, I think will be interesting. Like just knowing my experiences of hunting like mule deer and stuff out West and how 
just the ground is is not really in your favor where the thing that I've always liked about hunt stalking whitetails specifically is as long as you can find ground to put your feet on, the ground's quiet. Like it's the vegetation that's generally loud. The ground itself is usually pretty soft and even has a lot a little fluff to it when you're talking about most, you know, whitetail country. There's not tons of like gravelly rock or anything, generally speaking. But the one challenge that um, I've had hunting out west is you have gravel that's a lot harder to stalk stuff in. And just because of the noise aspect, which I think just trying to kind of figure that out and learn where those animals want to be and their tendencies is going to be fun. But also just seeing the similarities of, um, you know, the, the, I guess, southwestern whitetail to, <laughs> version of a whitetail to what we're used to hunting will be fun as well to kind of compare. Yeah, for sure. Hayden, what do you got planned this fall? Um, I don't have a lot of concrete plans. We actually moved our warehouse this year, so I'm going to have to be spending a lot more time in the warehouse this fall than in previous years. But I definitely am going to focus a lot more just closer to home this year in Wisconsin. Um, I'd like to make it out to Missouri again this year. I've gone there the last three years. Um, and then potentially Minnesota as well are the, the top three on my list. Uh, and then anything outside of that, I'll probably just, if I have time, take along with the rest of the guys and, and film for them on some other uh, further further drives for, for hunts. But kind of fluid at the moment. Not really sure exactly what my fall looks like, but I'd say like likely sticking around the Midwest for the most part. And then we have those uh, late season muzzleloader drives that we've done the last few years as well. And that one I'll definitely yeah. be joining wherever we go for that. I don't think we've come up with the concrete plan of what states we're going to do for that, but that's always a, a fun one that's at the top of my list for hunts i'm looking forward to i think that's one of the best ways to keep oh, it yeah. man kind of fluid because sometimes man when you have so many plans like a hunt rolls around and you're like oh, i'm just tired like i don't want to go like i'm exhausted uh so keeping it you know more more what ifs and i've got this and i've got that in my back pocket you know i think it, it keeps it easier on you and family and yeah. time and so before we get into the new bow hayden you just said it i'm gonna spend time filming and going with the other guys let's get down to the nitty-gritty who's your least favorite person to go with <laughs> um don't even say no man, i enjoy so all fun. of them it's, there's somebody you don't like it, I, know it, it. I, I do enjoy hunting with everybody I, I enjoy hunting with everybody for sure it's they're always a good time no matter who i'm with um man i don't know i'll throw zach under the bus i'll say zach's my least favorite just because <laughs> why you gotta give an Just because he goes why. so hard, you can get worn out pretty quickly with Zach. Zach's tough to keep up with. He's he's he pushes real hard. But no, I, I I do enjoy everybody I go with. Zach as well. Like we've had a lot of good hunts, even just the two of us together. Like North Carolina when we went out, it was just him and I. Like it's it can get pretty tiring towards the end of it, but it's it's a lot of fun, no matter who you're with. I like the I like the best when we're with a big group, though. I mean that's that's when we have the most fun is when we're all together. Um, it's, it's just, you get that whole camaraderie aspect and endless stories to tell with each other. Uh, th those are, those are my favorite hunts when we just have yeah, a big group sure. together. Rumor has it, Zach can only go hard. It's just like Samson. If you cut his hair, he can no longer hunt hard. That's where his power <laughs> comes from to continue to hunt. Yeah, Zach, who's your least favorite person to hunt That's with? True. 
you know, it's interesting. I, I often think of the different dynamics and think of like the pros and cons of, of, uh, everyone really like every pair is a different dynamic. And it's interesting because there's pros and cons to each one. One thing, I guess I can just give a, I'll give a con about everybody. One thing that is a downside to hunting with Ted is he doesn't hear as well as the rest of us. So like (laughs) it took a little bit of time for me to recognize that that was true and that I have to ignore. Does it hear or does it listen? There's a big difference. No, he doesn't. No, <laughs> he, he doesn't. He just he doesn't hear. He doesn't hear um, whisper, and he doesn't hear like feet on leaves very well. So like an animal yeah. can be blowing through the timber and making tons of noise in the in the leaves, and he just can't hear it. And it, huh. it took me a little bit of time to like be patient with that because what I realized has happened looking looking back on it is. I would start getting antsy because Ted is showing zero response to what I'm hearing. And like, sometimes those sounds are subtle and you're trying to pick them apart. But if it's like, it's like if I get a vibe that he's feeling bored, for example, I would start rushing it because I'd be like, well, he doesn't hear it. And, and now I've realized over, you know, several years now or whatever it's been probably now five years of hunting with him. I just realized that I have to ignore the fact that he can't hear something and just be patient if that's what my gut instinct's telling me. Because when I hunt with somebody else, for example, they generally hear that too. And we can play off of each other and be like, was that something? It's like, yeah, that was definitely something. But if you look at Ted and he's just like, what? It's like, oh, maybe I'm just making it up. So that, that's been a bit of a struggle with him. Um, hunting with Greg is we're going to probably spend too much time getting a bunch of camera gear set up, which sometimes can be a little overwhelming. Um, hunting with Aaron, we both have a tendency to overthink things and that can get extremely stressful as well. Um, like when, when two people are overthinking, you're just like at a certain point banging your head against the wall. Um, hunting with Jake sometimes can feel like he's not thinking about things enough <laughs> like it's like he never <laughs> overthinks anything to the point where it feels like sometimes it's like you know just going through the motions which has its benefits too like that there's a lot of yeah benefits i was to gonna that. say that sometimes um, that's beneficial yeah i mean that's actually also my favorite thing about hunting with jake so like it goes both ways um, yeah sometimes though it can get it can get uh it can get just you know like again, there's just certain situations with all of these things where it's like not every single moment of hunting with these people are these things an issue. It's just like certain little situations are like the negative side of the the dynamic, I suppose. And then, um, oh, hunting with Hayden, he's bound to fall and spook something. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) What's that? That sometimes when that happens, it runs right past someone who's standing ready to yeah, shoot. Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, nah, that's not that's not really that's not really a thing. I think uh, I don't know. I can't necessarily jump out and think of anything specific. Hayden and I also haven't done a ton of deer hunting together, and I guess I've been thinking of deer hunting stuff mostly. Um, hunting with Nick, 
I think the one thing that I've had struggled with Nick is just like sound and like just yeah, he's new to hunting off the ground and just kind of working through some of those kinks, which is fine. Like you figured it out hunting with Keith, <laughs> we don't make decisions very well. So it's kind of similar to hunting like with war where it's like, we're overthinking, but like at a certain point, it's just like, I want somebody to just be like, no, that's just what we should do. And Keith, Keith does has this amazing ability to like, just continue to like circle the the whole like thought process. So it's like, I'm overthinking it. And then he'll be like, yeah, that's, I think that last part's a really good idea, but, and then it's like, here we are right back in the same circle again. And then, um, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe Ben and I do that a little bit too sometimes. And we tend to run things over. Yeah. Ben and I tend to run things over. So that's kind of a negative, but I don't know. It's just kind of funny. You, you look at those dynamics, I suppose, and they're all different. And there's like certain things that you have to kind of pay attention to because you ha- know those tendencies. So it's not that you enjoy hunting with anybody the least. It's just that those little aspects of it are things that maybe are your um, least favorite part about hunting with all those individuals. But once you start to recognize it and you just make adjustments because of it, it, it it's fine. But until you learn what those adjustments are, what you have to, you know, think about, hey, you have to change your own thought process to adjust for it. It, it I don't know. It, it's always fine, you know, and like all of those, yeah. you know, weaknesses within the dynamic can be strengths once you figure them out. And I think that's kind of fun. And I, I really like spend a lot of time just in my own head kind of thinking about those things. And I kind of think it's cool. It's kind of a cool, unique perspective that we have to be able to hunt with so many friends and, uh, yeah, it's just really cool. We're gonna do a Hopefully whole episode. Enough answer. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do a whole episode at some point. I'm just gonna have all of you guys on, and you're just gonna tell what you hate about everybody. Like, I think that'd be fun. Like, people would, <laughs> people would love to hear the negatives about everybody. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> guys, not knowing the law is not an excuse for breaking the law. And sometimes going through different state agency websites, they're clunky, they're hard to get around, they're hard to understand, they're, they're not laid out well. They're just difficult. And for guys, especially who hunt multiple states, um, you're bouncing between states, you're going different places. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with season dates, bag limits, laws, rules, regulations. Seasonreport.com is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about every state you hunt in. You can save the, the counties that you hunt in inside your portfolio, and then you can look at everything on a calendar view. So I can see when the seasons open and close in Oklahoma and Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas. I can see when all those season dates are open, when they overlap with rifle season, so I know when i got to throw my orange on. I can see everything on one easy-to-use, easy-to-understand platform. But also, every rule, law, regulation, it's right there. I don't have to go through the state clunky agency websites. It's all right there in one place for me to look at easy to understand, easy to follow. Guys, this is something that I it saves me every year. I check the, the I check it out every year. Um, I look at it before every hunt to make sure, you know, something didn't open or close that I didn't know about. Guys, this entire platform is just 10 bucks for the entire year. It's the best 10 bucks in my opinion that you can spend on hunting and making sure that you're covered as far as the law goes. Guys, use code hunting 101 that's all caps hunting 101 and get that entire platform for just 10 bucks for the entire year i would highly highly encourage it again it's the best 10 bucks that i believe you can spend in a season
guys, let's let's dive into this. Uh, everybody came here to hear one thing, and that is the new THP bare bow. So last year we had the adapt, and people fell in love with it. They they at ATA it was all all people talked about. There was the only boat people walked up and grabbed. There's only boat people wanted to come and see. This year, you have developed and worked with Bear to build on that platform and continue to create the bow that you guys want. So, um, how did this process go? What did you guys? Well, first off, let's walk through the adapt. What was your experiences with the adapt? What caused you to want to see the changes you you wanted to see? Um, you know, how how did that go? How that that process with the adapt go? I'll start with that. Um. I actually had the, I believe the Escalate and the bear, or the, sorry, the bear, obviously the bear, the um, <laughs> Adapt. And I was excited to kind of compare those two and just see the difference between, um, you know, a cam, uh, dual cam bow and a solo cam bow. And I, immediately started leaning towards liking the adapt for my personal preferences and styles, mostly because I really love the smooth draw cycle of a solo cam. And I know it's not new technology. It's, it's really just old technology as far as a, a speed bow goes and stuff like that. It's not necessarily built for that, but for every negative thing, there's a positive thing. And I think the positive thing in that is just the draw cycle and being able to pull you know, 70 pound bow with that much ease. There's just, it takes a level of like, uh, takes it down a level of difficulty, especially in tight close quarter situations, which I find myself in often. We all do because hunting public land, you're not generally going to a predetermined spot that is set up. It's like hopping into a tree where, yeah, maybe there is a weird limb that makes you have to crouch to shoot in a certain angle. And, uh, maybe you're, in a ground setup and um, you have to draw on a slow controlled, you know, way to make sure you're not spotted. And I just feel like, you know, those benefits that you get from the solo cam are awesome. I also really like the grip on it, comparing it to um, the grip that was on the Escalade. It's just for what, for whatever I like, and you know, everybody's going to be different, but for what I like, I just love to feel that it just sits in my hand. Well, like just even the simple texture of that it sounds kind of goofy but man that just it feels good um and that, those are the main things that jumped out to me as far as things that i like about it and then um my aero flight's been good you know better than previous years even since i started shooting the adapt and i really like um having good aero flight there's just something extremely satisfying about watching that arrow come off the bow and just have no you know no, nothing but perfect flight going down range is just a confidence boost, I think. So that's always been uh, a good thing about it as well is just having good aero flight and easy to tune, I suppose. And that was kind of the goal and part of the well, that, reason for the solo cam as well. You know, that, that for me is, I mean, you guys obviously could care less about speeds because you're shooting arrows that weigh as much as a telephone pole. Um, but really the only... In my opinion, with a dual cam or a cam and a half or a hybrid cam, whatever, binary cam, what you get is a stiffer, stronger, more solid back wall, 
and more speed. Whereas with a single cam, you're going to get more accuracy. You're going to get a quieter bow. You're going to get easier maintenance. It's not going to come out of tune as easy. It's going to tune easier. It's like, so unless you care about speed, which if, if you're a whitetail hunter shooting deer at 14 yards and in, who in the crap cares about speed anyways? Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want a single cam. Now, I say all that to be contradictory because yeah. I don't shoot a single cam. Uh, I'm shooting the Execute 32 right now. But, um, like, on paper, it's like, why wouldn't you shoot a single cam? Um, and if you do care yeah. about speed, just remember this. People shoot animals all day long with a recurve that's flying 175 feet per second. So, you getting 350, yeah. I mean, that's cool and all. But, like, people can do it with recurves that are shooting 175 and slower. Um, so you don't have to have all the speed that you think you have to have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, well, I, think, I guess one you know, other thing, one other thing that I'll add is like last year, I wanted an arrow set up that I could stick with from mid August till, you know, the end of bow season. And I was planning on hunting pronghorn elk and whitetail and ended up shooting all three of those with the same arrow setup, which is actually lighter than other year. I guess the year prior, I think I was maybe up to like 50 grains heavier. So last year I was only shooting an arrow that was 500 grain this year. I might bump it up a little bit. I'm not planning on hunting pronghorn. So shot wise, my shots are going to be closer generally speaking at least. And, um, I'm not as worried about launching them as far as like a hunting situation because I'm pronghorn hunting. I just think that's more common, more realistic. But, um, with that being said too, I'm going to bump my arrow weight up a little bit. I'm going to try a different spine arrow, um, which has already improved arrow flight from what it was, which was pretty good. But I realized it could be improved once I switched to spine, uh, like got a stiffer arrow and, I'm going to end up shooting, I'm going to try to end up getting around 550 again. And last year I was at 500, which, you know, really, I don't think is too crazy heavy. And ultimately I've had really great luck shooting this adapt at long range too. Like one of the things that we talk about sometimes is, uh, you know, well, we talk about it often is like taking really close quarter shots and like, that's that's kind of like the group wide like thing that we talk about a lot, but I personally really like reaching out there, especially for practice. I mean, I want to stand and shoot bags at 80 yards and, and practice 3D anywhere from 50 to 80 yards. And I, I really do enjoy that from a practice standpoint. And therefore, you have to figure out how to shoot that, obviously. And I think it just makes you better for when you bring everything back in, you know, when you actually get into the yeah. hunting situations and Again, especially for whitetail and elk. I mean, talking bow hunting like that, 30 yards, 40 and in is, is very common. And, and even more specifically, I think I've only ever shot, I, I think, it, a deer and an elk at 30 yards. And I think those are like the longest shots that I've ever had. I missed, I missed a deer one time um, further than that, but it's just like, you know, mostly real close so i don't know it, it, it's just like year to year i think the arrow setups change and like 
what your expectations for taking hunting, you know, certain shots are going to change depending on what, what your area is. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, I, I guess I try to always keep in mind is like, everybody's got a different perspective on that. Cause it's like, yeah, if you hunt super thick timber, yeah, you're probably just never even going to be able to have the opportunity to shoot over 40 yards. But somebody that lives in Kansas or South Dakota or, you know, North Dakota or whatever, maybe presented with shots that are, you know, 40 to 60 yards all the time. And if that's the case, like, who am I to say that you shouldn't shoot that? It's like, if you practice and you can make those shots, I support it completely. And I just think that, um, you know, your arrow setups and your bow and your speed, like a lot of those things can change, uh, like how flat you're shooting. But at the end of the day, it's like, to me, taking shots based off of how animals body language is showing you what they're, how they're going to react is also important. If that makes any sense. You know, you can also do, I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is you can still shoot a long way with a, you know, heavier end arrow with the adapt, which I think is really cool. I'm I'm shooting better long range with the adapt than I have in, in, uh, past years as well. So that's also cool. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I, I always tell people, people, you know, whether they're asking me about my recurve or whether they're asking me about a compound or even a rifle, they're like, well, what is your effective range? And I'm like, that's a, a loaded question, man, because I've passed deer at 20 yards who are super skittish. So many they, aspects. I've yep. passed deer at 10 yards because you have a little bitty window to shoot through and you just can't squeeze an arrow in. And then, you know, you have the perfect scenario with a deer at 37 yards and I'm going to launch one. Um, so, you know, I just think, you're absolutely right, man. You have to, it takes time being in the woods and, and knowing animal behavior and being able to figure out how do I think they're going to respond when I shoot my super quiet adapt and they don't hear it, you know? Um, so just so everybody knows, this is the new, uh, adapt plus. So they probably, they probably, they, they not probably, they did build on the adapt. They made the adapt better. So Hayden, what kind of changes did you want to see in the adapt? Yeah, so I guess I'll go back to just the original adapt um, that we launched last year. The the main goals that we had with it were starting from uh, building it at a price point that everyone can afford, but then also has the features to cover everybody, even the the more serious hunters. Like have a, a value price point bow that also performed for um, people who are looking for a higher end performance bow. Um, we want it to be easy to draw, like Zach said, one of his favorite things about it. So smooth draw, um, shootability, um, and ease of tuning. Um, and then also that kind of landed us in the single cam realm and then also wanted to have a, a solid back wall, which is why we added that limb stop option onto the bottom cam. So what, what we wanted was exactly what we got out of the adapt. Everyone was super thrilled with it. It performed the best, like people's honest opinions was it was our favorite bow that we've ever shot from bear um and had great success with getting good arrow flight tuning it quickly um and having it perform throughout the whole season so we were really thrilled with the adapt it it did exactly what we were hoping for um so going into this year there wasn't a whole lot of things we wanted to change about it um the biggest differences that come out of this year's version is uh the RTH plus package has a little bit higher end accessories, uh, mainly like the hot wire site that we're using a lot that has those two fixed pins and the one floating pin. So the RTH plus is going to have that on it. 
as well as um, we added a roller guard to the cable guard as opposed to just the, the standard cable slide. Um, we had seen like the, the biggest complaint that we saw was there was a uh, tendency for there to be wear on the cables where it runs through that cable guard. Um, so we switched that cable guard to be a roller guard option as opposed to the standard cable slide. Um, and I believe you can also upgrade the, the normal version. You can buy that, that roller guard to swap out for that cable slide on the regular adapt. But all in all, it's really not a, a lot different just because we were so thrilled with what the original adapt was. We just wanted to offer um, some higher end accessories on the, the RTH package for those people who wanted um, some of those more premium accessories and then the upgrade to the, the cable slide to um, help with the longevity of the string. But um, it should be pretty pretty similar and just as uh, we're, we should be just as happy with it as we were with the original version of the Adapt. I don't know so, if you said this or not, Hayden, but RT, RTH, sorry, I don't know if Hayden said this or not, but RTH is ready to hunt because yes. I sometimes forget that. <laughs> yeah, there's some setup with the, with the D loop and all the accessories already on, where you can pretty much just take it out of the package and it's it's ready to go. Yeah. So the biggest question I know I'm going to get asked: I have the adapt. Is it worth upgrading? No. <laughs> That's what I say. But and I think I don't think it hurts. To, I don't think it hurts to change that to that. I like the. Um, roller, roller guard. guard. I don't think that's a bad option, but I, I think that it'd save your, you know, just save you, like Hayden said, save you some lifetime in the string. I don't think it's going to hurt that by any means, but as far as like going out and, and buying another one right now, I mean, I don't necessarily know that because, cause like Hayden said, also we're, we've been so happy with it that it's, you know, these little minor adjustments are just things that are going to hopefully save you some save you some time with that string for example so i don't think it's necessarily like a whole different bow as much as it is just making little minor adjustments to keep it you know i don't yep. know i don't know maybe that's the wrong answer though you know maybe hayden was like oh no zach you shouldn't say that but it's like if you already have one do you know the specs because i really should have had caleb send me the spec sheet and i didn't Um, I don't know him well enough off the top of my head to, to quote him, I suppose. Um, but the axle, the axle is 32 inches. I think the IBO is somewhere around 320, um, just under seven on brace height. Uh, it, there's the 45 to 60 pound limb options or 55 to 70 pound limb options. And the, um, all of them, you can adjust the draw length from, I believe it's 24 inches to 30 and a half. Um, so it's, it's adjustable to a wide variety of, of draw lengths and kind of in that, that 32 inch axle, the axle is the realm that we thought was like the most forgiving, but also provo- provided the most performance on the back end as well. So I believe those are so- the, the main specs, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Do you know what was the what was the uh, eight um, what was the ATA on the last adapt? It, they're both thirty two. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So I the ATA the, so, the overall like main frame of the bow the bow is the exact same. same. Gotcha. 
say one of the other main differences is also there's more color colorway options that are available this year. We added yep. um, all bottom lands option as well as um, some different solid options and different like uh, solid riser bottomland limbs. So there's there's more color options that are available on this this year's version. So overall frame of the bow, that pretty much stays the same. You've got the same 32-inch axle to axle, um, just under 7-inch brace height. That stays the same. You've got very adjustable draw length, so that a wide variety of people will be able to shoot this bow. Um, you've got two different draw weight options, so uh, whether you want to shoot, you know, whether you want, what was the draw weight max on? You got 55 to 70. What was the other one? 45 to 60. So that apps, the top is 70 on that 55 to 70 limb option. So I, I do get that question quite a bit. I want to shoot 60 pounds. Should I get the 70 pound and crank it back or should I get the 60 and crank it all the way down? A bow is sure. going to perform best when it's fully cranked down. So if you want to shoot 60 right. pounds, get the 60 pound bow. If you want to shoot 70 pounds, get the 70 pound bow. Um, now, obviously, you can pull it back. I mean, if 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 you want 67, then you'll have to get the 70-pound bow and pull it back a little bit. But a bow is going to perform best when it's cranked all the way down. So if you're wanting 60, I would definitely get the bow that cranks out at 60. Um, another thing that you know I know the guys at Bear are excited about um, is you're offering a lot more colors in this the the this new edition uh, of the Plus. Um, what are your new colors you added? Yeah, I believe it's uh, all bottomlands um, for both riser and and limbs, and then I think there's a uh, it's like a stone gray uh, riser with bottomland limb option. Um, then we also still have that throwback tan riser with the Fred Bear limbs, um, and then I believe an all olive colored um, riser and limbs as well. Um, I believe that's those are the options, but the newest ones are the the bottomland additions to the the camo patterns. In addition to the that classic Fred Bear camo, yeah, man. Which bottomland is like the sexiest pattern ever made known to man. So uh, who wouldn't want a bow made in that? But um, no, I'm I'm excited, man. I uh, you know the the adapt was such a hit. People loved it. Um, and I think that the things that needed to be addressed, you guys and Bear worked hard to address, and I think it's going to be just a stellar bow. Um, so I'm excited to shoot it. I'm excited to get some hands on it, and uh, I think it'll be uh, a really good bow. I should get to shoot it early next month. I'm headed down to Gainesville, and so I uh, should get to shoot it then. And I, I'm really excited to get my hands on it. So um, let's jump back really quick. You said the the Ready to Hunt Extra is coming with the – um, with the hot wire is that's what most of the hunting yep. public crew shoots, isn't it? Yeah. For the most part, I think Zach's is Zach's going to be using a single pin react this year. Um, but I think pretty much everybody else is shooting that hot wire site. It's really nice to have those two fixed pins that you can put at 20 and 30, which covers a, a majority of our deer hunting opportunities. And then having that floating yeah. pin on the bottom. Um, I think most of us just use that for, for practice when we're shooting out long distances to, to fine tune our mechanics and stuff like that. It's uh real handy to have that, that slider pin, but we've been shooting that one for the lot, like since we've been working with trophy Ridge and bear. And that's kind of the one we always gravitate towards where it's not, it's that middle of the road price point. So it's still an affordable site, but it's, it's kind of achieves everything we're looking for in a site and, and is really lightweight too, which is another reason we like it. Yeah. 
Now, have you yeah. shot the um, have you shot the React Trio? I haven't personally. I don't know if anyone else in their team has. Potentially Greg, but I'm not certain on that. So the reason why I prefer the Trio over the Hotwire, and, and this is all personal preference, but with the Hotwire, you know, you've got that bottom floating pin that moves down. And that changes your 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 sight housing. So if you're shooting at 40, it looks completely different than if you're shooting at 80. Whereas the trio is a fixed pin and the whole housing moves. So you've still got your three-pin slider sight, but whether you're shooting at 40 yards or 120 yards, your sight picture looks the exact same, um, which I, I really like. Um, I, I like having the same sight picture no matter what distance I'm shooting at, um, which I used to think you could only get that in a single pin um but then you know uh multi-pin sliders came about and and that's all i've shot for seven eight years is a multi-pin slider for that reason you can shoot all the different distances yeah but you have the same sight picture no matter what so um might be worth looking yeah. into i mean it is more of an expensive sight, yeah, but sure. uh might be worth looking into yeah, and how it like when I set my hot wire up, um, similar like just sight picture. I like to center the like my twenty yard and thirty yard pins close to the center of that sight housing. Yeah. So I sacrifice a little bit of like distance as far as how how far out I can get with that bottom floating pin. But I really like having those primary pins in the center of my sight housing because it just makes it easier, I think, to acquire oh, yeah. the target, and it just looks cleaner when it's in the center of the housing. But you lose a little bit of, of how far you can shoot, but in a practical deer hunting scenario, it doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, for sure. So what is, um, you guys, how long have you had hands on this new bow? Yeah, we've had it for about a month now. Um, most of us had it on that trip down to Texas. We just took a couple weeks ago. So that's, yeah, I, I shot my pig with, with the new version of the bow. Um, so we've had it for about, about a month or so. Very cool. So do you guys notice a massive difference? I mean, what's been your favorite part about the new bow that, that you've seen change from the old bow? Yeah, it definitely feels a little bit smoother on the draw um, with that. Um, I think the big test is going to be how it, how it lasts throughout the season, seeing how those cables, um, if the wear is reduced based on having that roller guard versus the cable slide. Um, but I do, I, I have noticed that the draw in, in general has become a slightly more smooth than it was on the, on the previous version with the regular cable slide. Very cool. Well guys go check out the new adapt plus you're going to want to get your hands on it. The adapt was a hit. Everybody who shot it loved it. Um, so go check out the adapt plus gentlemen. What was your, um, what was your most intense moment from the year? Uh, from, from, so from last deer season, what was the most intense moment where you, you know, you got close encounter on a deer and, and, uh, couldn't close the, the, the door on it or, you know, something crazy happened, but what was that one moment that stood out to you, uh, from last year's season that was just crazy intense? Uh, I'd say the one that jumps out to me was a, a hunt that Keith and I were on together. Um, we were, it was early November timeframe and, um, we had found a spot that was just tore up with sign. Some of the most buck sign I've seen in one concentrated area ever. And, uh, early in the morning, I uh, had a two and a half year old come by that, uh, for the first five seconds I was considering shooting him. And Keith and I both had our bows. He was filming and I was on, on trigger first. And 
once he started closing the distance, I decided I wasn't going to shoot him. And Keith and I tried to swap positions where he was going to end up shooting and I was filming and ended up not getting a shot on the buck, but he walked by it like seven yards and ended up spooking when, when Keith drew, but, um, that happened in the morning. And then we decided to just dive a little bit deeper into this uh, piece of public. And, uh, we're just working down this transition line and saw a younger buck run out of this thick piece of cover. And, um, couple seconds after we saw a really, really big buck kind of pushing him out and then going back into that cover, um, presumably had a doe pinned down right up against this, uh, Creek in that thick cover. And we tried to, to crawl a little bit closer and do some calling sequences to, to bring him out, but ended up just going across that river and, um, didn't see him again after that, but it was pretty intense. And it was one of the bigger bucks that I'd ever seen on public that we got really close to having an opportunity at but didn't end up closing the deal. But between that encounter we had in the morning and that uh, really close encounter with that big one, that was probably one of the more exciting hunts I'd, I'd had of the year. So what was one lesson you learned specifically from last season uh, that you're going to take and do better this season? Uh, for me, I'll tell you, I learned the lesson. I had never practiced with a recurve, at least, coming to full draw and then stopping the animal. Um, and so this year I had an encounter where a deer was running in quick. I come to full draw with my recurve and I stopped the animal, I stopped the deer, but then I just completely rushed my shot because I just wasn't used to, to having to do that. And so, uh, this summer, all I've been practicing is coming to full draw, stopping the animal and then executing a shot. And so, um, but guys, I just want to encourage the listener every year you should be learning something new and, and and implementing that the next season. It doesn't stop. You don't just, you know, you don't make it as a, as a hunter and you've learned everything. So gentlemen, what's one thing you learned from last year that you're going to be implementing differently this year? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, this is kind of a, a situational thing, but overall just like learn more about when to be aggressive. Um, there's two different hunts that I had with Jake where it was kind of the, each side of the, the story where, the, the one he shot with the bow, uh, we ended up getting really in tight close to him when he was locked down with the doe and uh, ended up just getting in his bubble where you're able to call him in and he got a shot at him real close quarters. Um, but then on the flip side, in middle October during muzzleloader season, we ended up seeing a, a buck bed down at a distance in some really thick cover that if we would have tried to get in really close to him, uh, we probably would have lost a lot of visibility where we were set up on this little bit of a rise where we could see above a lot of that thick cover. And it was a lot of just open monotonous grasses and brush that he was bedded in. And if we would have tried to slip in closer and, and get tight to him, we probably would have lost, lost sight of him or not been able to see him when he stood up. But we ended up just waiting on him for, I think it was like six or seven hours until eventually he did stand up and walk straight towards us and gave Jake a, a great shot opportunity. But I mean, if we would have been passive on the other, ver other, the first hunt with the bow, probably wouldn't have got him. And if we would have been aggressive on that, on the one that he ended up shooting the muzzleloader, he probably wouldn't have got him. So I think just getting better at learning when to be aggressive and when to be passive um, when moving on an animal, I think definitely got better at that this year than I had been in past years. Guys, when it comes to hunting and being outdoors, I believe there's one product that I use more than anything. That's not my bow. That's not my boots. It's not my, um, anything else other than a binocular harness. If I am outside doing anything outdoors, 
I've got a binocular harness on. Whether I'm shooting, whether I'm hanging tree stands, uh, whether I'm out hiking, it doesn't matter. If I'm outdoors doing just about anything, I've always got my binocular harness. Alaskan Guide Creations does it and does it very, very well. I've been using these now for about eight years and I absolutely love them. The new system with all the magnets are really good, um, really accessible, very customizable. Guys, if you're in the market for a new binocular harness, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to check out Alaskan Guide Creations because they are phenomenal. Guys, go check it out. Absolutely check out the new Adapt Plus. Um, find a, a store that has them, your Shields, your Cabela's, your Bass Pros. Find one, shoot one. You're going to want to get hands on it. It's a phenomenal shooting rig. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because I haven't shot it. But if it shoots anything like the Adapt, it's going to be a phenomenal shooting rig. So, um, guys, I encourage you to go check it out. Um, check out everything the Hunting Public's got going on. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a fantastic week.